Waiting is difficult. The church builds a whole season around the idea that waiting is difficult and necessary. It's a period of anticipation. We call it Advent, which is not the literal translation that some people suspect. Advent is not literally translated when pastors get ornery over Christmas being celebrated six weeks early by people who can't wait for Christmas music to come. The actual translation of Advent, you should know, is when liturgically trained musicians and pastors get ornery because you can't wait six weeks for Christmas to come. No, Adventus, it means coming. It's arrival, it means something we anticipate for arriving, waiting. Children, before they received everything they wanted throughout the year, before that happened, children used to have a saying, which was something was slow as Christmas. Those days that would go on forever, waiting for Christmas to arrive. Waiting for Christmas is difficult. We understand that. We know it. Waiting for something we anticipate is difficult. Whether it's a good event or a bad event, when we have some unusual event scheduled, the waiting is difficult. I hardly slept the night before both of our children were born. I can't sleep real well when I have an early departure coming the next morning. My father did not sleep real well the night before his knee replacement surgery. And those were events that were scheduled. The sleeplessness, the anxiety in waiting is even more pronounced when there is something unknown out there. And we don't know what, and we don't know exactly when, and we don't know how... We don't know how long we have to wait and what the result will be when we get there. In life, it often passes far too quickly. For people my age and older, the saying could be as fast as Christmas. In life, that often passes far too quickly. There are days of waiting that become agonizingly slow. We'll call you next week with the test results. This kind of healing takes time. Grieving is a process. Florence wasn't built in a day. Or maybe that was some other world-class city. The point is, there are times when we have to wait. And so the question is, how should we wait? Every day of my working life, I could use more time. Not a day passes in my office or out in our community when I don't think of more that could be accomplished before I go home. And I get home in the same sense of wanting more time to do the things I'd like to do, time with family, time to accomplish tasks, it also weighs on me. Rarely do the seconds not tick off too quickly. Well, I'm sure that many of you feel the same way, so I want to share with you the solution I have recently come to. In the last few years, I have cracked the code. I have figured out how to make time slow down. Dance recitals. (laughs) 
Three or four numbers are riveting. Coincidentally, they're when my daughter is on the stage. The rest of the time, I sit there and I think and meditate and think and meditate about all the things that I could be doing. Forgive me, dance people. It's, it's not just dance. It's track and field and swim meets and chorus and piano recitals. The not-so-secret truth is that most of our attendance is related to the one for whom we are attending, especially in these learning days. And like many of you, I prefer doing to watching. And that's why life passes by so quickly. As was read, St. Paul anticipated that life would pass by quickly, and he talked about how we might do in this life that passes by so quickly, not being idle. St. Paul thought that the world was coming to an end any moment, at least the world we knew it, that Jesus would return any moment. That's why he advised not to get married. Who has time for that when the world is going to be different so soon and Jesus will be back? Don't get distracted by things like marriage. Thankfully, there were enough people who disobeyed or who couldn't help themselves that Christians have been marrying ever since. Even with this expectation that, that Jesus would return any day, that the world would soon end, Paul never advised slacking off. There was work to do. Meaningful work. Ministry to do. Important ministry while we wait. These past 2,000 years would have gone by a lot more slowly and a lot less faithfully if all Christians did was stare into the sky waiting for Jesus to return. Paul's advice was to remain active, especially during those anxious days. I have a relative with a little too much time on her hands and far too much access to the internet. And so whenever she finds out about someone with any kind of symptom, she goes and researches. And as she researches, she comes to all kinds of conclusions, most of which are frighteningly alarming. And she reports back about what people might need to be doing. How often I think, what if that same amount of energy and that time, that anxiety were instead poured into doing something that might help somebody. What if she, instead of going to the internet, ran to her friends and they gathered around each other and they started knitting caps for people who were going to be cold that winter and, and then that time shared, they, they laughed about the good old days or they cried about the current days or whatever they needed to do, but together they produced something and shared that anxiety in a group producing something. Paul claimed that he was never idle when he was with the Thessalonians, that he was working day and night so that he would not be a burden to them. He's saying that he paid his own way with his odd jobs. He wasn't reliant on them, not a financial burden. Paul's activity helped to provide, but I maintain that it also helped him keep going. 
In the midst of the persecutions, it helped him to keep going. Activity is a helpful distraction when the clock has slowed to a crawl and we're waiting for news. Activity can lead to achievement, which helps to restore our sense of worth. Activity gives us an opportunity for positive interactions, to see others' needs alongside our needs. It helps to broaden our perspective. One way to wait is to wait actively. Another way to wait is to wait patiently. Not idly, patiently. The disciples in that reading from Luke were impressed with this great, this massive, this beautiful temple. It was as permanent as anything they could ever imagine. And then Jesus comes along and He punctures their all with His prediction that one day those stones are going to be torn from each other, pulled down, laid waste. When they wanted to know. Jesus never answered when it would be. Only when it wouldn't be. When everything looks like it's the end. It's not. When all the signs point to it being over, it is not because God is still working. There's no denying that pain and trouble are ahead for the disciples. Jesus foretold it. History has proved it. History continues to prove it. Disciples have always had plenty of challenge before us. But God, we've been assured, is with us. These difficulties which are not caused by God, which are not desired by God, can be used by God and by His disciples. These difficulties, Jesus says, will give you an opportunity to testify. I'll give you the words that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or to contradict, he says. By your endurance, you will gain your souls, he promises. When life is hard and we're waiting for it to get better, we lean on God because in doing so, we gain our souls. A friend of mine who has been enduring difficult times lately told me that while he would never ask for this season that he's going through, he recognizes that he is turning to God more often, more passionately, more desperately than ever before during this time. He's enduring. And through this process, I've observed that God is giving him his soul. So we wait. We wait actively. We wait patiently. And we wait expectantly. We expect God to do something. I've waited until now to read to you the third lesson, this reading from Isaiah. Because we need to know what to expect in light of the suffering that we know of, in light of the suffering that we see, in light of the suffering that we endure, 
When we look at images of the Philippines, or know of suffering children, or ill adults, or hurting and cold and hungry people, or of fragile and broken relationships, we need Isaiah's vision. It's a vision we work toward actively. We do not sit by idly expecting that one day it will come. If we're going to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we work toward Isaiah's vision coming to pass. All the while, knowing that our efforts will be met by God's power and that this day by God will come to pass. For I'm about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days, an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered a curse. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is truly a word to be thankful for. And a word to work toward. We wait for such a day. We know too many lives that are cut short. Too much weeping. Of too many who are enslaved. Of too much hurt and destruction. We wait for such a day. But never idly. Never impatiently. And never without Hope. We live now in light of this coming kingdom, helping God to bring about this coming kingdom as our preparation for the arrival of this coming kingdom. We wait actively. We wait patiently. We wait expectantly for the God who is always actively working, patiently loving, and expectantly empowering us. God has empowered us with time, with talent, and with treasure. 
Our commitment to return to God, our time and talent and treasure is a way of actively waiting. Of actively participating in God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. You have cards that speak to this. It's part of our stewardship campaign, but these cards aren't for the church. They're for you. And they're for God. They're a way for you to say to God, I'm going to actively wait by actively participating in your kingdom coming by putting into practice your will being done. I will give of myself for that. I will give my prayers, my presence, my gifts, my service, and my witness for that. In a moment, you'll be invited to come down the center aisle to bring those cars to the chancel rail. It's a way of bringing yourself before God, of saying, I give you all that I am, Lord Jesus. While you're down here, you're invited to pray about your dedication, your commitment, to leave your cards as a symbol of leaving yourself here before God. You'll be invited to return through the side aisles when you're finished from that. If you're not able to or, or don't want to come forward today, but do have a card you'd like to place, then you can certainly put those in the offering plate when they get passed by in a few minutes. I hope you'll come if you're able. Even if you don't have your card, I hope you'll come today. As a way of saying, I'll participate. While we wait for the fullness of your kingdom to come, I will participate, God, in giving you me for the sake of your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.